on today's show. We take a look back at a clunker in Brooklyn for your Charlotte Hornets. And we're not done with the holidays quite yet. We've got a special Christmas letter from one of the Hornets staff. We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are Locked On Hornets. You are Locked On Locked On Locked On Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets. It's Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, fresh off his holiday weekend, David Walker. That's right, Doug. We're back, baby. We are back in action, ready to talk Hornets basketball. But first, how was your holiday? Good? It was good. Yeah. A lot of family time, a lot of good times with the family. So, you know, it was a fun time. Like I told you before, not rested. I wouldn't say rested perhaps, but I would say it was fun. Yeah. I always, yours? Yeah. I always feel exhausted after the holidays as well. And I, I eat way too much. And so that obviously oh. contributes to it. I have to drive a long way. We were in Nashville for a few days, so, uh, but it's good to be back in Charlotte. It's good to be back in the studio. And I have, you know, we, we, you and I both have day jobs. This isn't our day job. Sure, and luckily, sure. I have uh, a week off from that day job so I can sit down and kind of relax, refocus, work on some things for the show. So it's, it's going to be a good week. Unfortunately, it All didn't right. get started off in the right direction with that Hornets loss to the Brooklyn Nets. We'll preview that in just a second. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Go to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcast on the NFL Golf, fantasy sports, it's the fastest growing podcast network in the world. This is a great time to look around on the Locked On Podcast Network because you may have a few days off. And if that's the case, pass the time and check out a few, uh, especially Locked On Fantasy Basketball. If you're into daily fantasy or or you're in your league and you're looking to make a move before the all-star break, before the trading deadline hits, then you definitely want to check that one out as well. Okay, let's talk about uh, the few game, the game that we missed against the Bulls first, and then we'll get into this Nets game. David, your thoughts on a big win for the Hornets. Finally, the Hornets play 48 minutes of good mm-hmm. basketball and get a win against an Eastern Conference team that was struggling, and we previewed that, but they still have a lot of talent on that team. Oh, for sure. And a guy that always kills the Hornets and Dwayne Wade, right? So. There was enough pitfalls in that game that it could have been a rough one. But, I mean, honestly, I thought that was maybe the the best I've seen the Hornets play in quite some time, maybe all year, Doug. I don't know how you felt about that. But it was clear to me that the days off really helped. I mean, everyone on the team looked a little more bouncy, looked a little more in groove. And, like, the Bulls pretty much came this close to imploding at the end of that game. I mean, right, you saw two ejections. You saw some of the frustration from them, perhaps some frustration for having to play in Charlotte, then fly to San Antonio and play on Christmas Day. Um, so a scheduling quirk for them. But I thought that was an excellent game for the Hornets, um, an all-around good game in, a, in front of a fantastic sold-out crowd at the Coliseum. So that was a good way to start the weekend. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they had the lead up to 14 at one point. They held the Bulls to 14 points in the second quarter. And as you said, held Dwayne Wade to 5 of 16 shooting uh, 31% from the field, only had 12 points in the game. So that was a little bit of a, a payback for for what he did to the Hornets uh, in in that playoff series. Jimmy Butler, as expected, still got his 26 points on 11 of 19 shooting. But here's the big thing, David, and we talked about this in the preview. They did not foul. He only had two free throw right. attempts. And, and I, I think that was big. It, it took away an aspect of their offense that they leaned on to sort of get back on track in games. They weren't able to do that. And the Hornets outscored uh, the Bulls 48 to 32. And before this Nets game, they were 10 and 3 in games where they outscored the Bulls in the paint. Or, well, when they outscored any team in the paint, right. they were 10 and 3. And so, yeah. you know, again, it's moving the basketball and getting the ball into the paint. That's what offensively wins basketball games for the Charlotte Hornets. And then I thought defensively, uh, everyone everyone just played on a rope. I mean, everyone played together. And when the game mm-hmm. got, got intense and got tight in the fourth quarter, everyone uh, just sort of sort – of stayed within themselves, didn't didn't let uh, Taj Gibson or Robin Lopez frustrate them as much as they frustrated those two gentlemen. And yeah, uh, they, they continue this uh, streak of getting opposing centers ejected from games. What did you think about the double the double elbow? It, was, it almost looked like a WWE move. It looked like a superhero move. Like the Lopez, I, I believe that Lopez brother is into like comics and Comic-Con and whatnot. They, they both might be. But it looked like some like flying... <laughs> spinning double elbow you're right maybe a little wrestling move in there he caught both of them and uh, like i said i mean i thought they were just on the verge of imploding at, at that point i mean the, the, things have not been going well um i did think the hornets did a good job on the boards you know they were still out rebounded by the bulls but that's almost a given i mean they do such a good job rebounding we previewed some of that going to that game but What's the thing we've been talking about over the last two weeks and Clifford's been harping on physicality? I thought you saw that um, in that game against the Bulls as well. 13 blocks for the Hornets. Um, and as you mentioned, 20 fouls on the Bulls and only eight for the Hornets. So some of that frustration was certainly coming there. And and we haven't even talked about Nick Batum yet, Doc. A triple-double on Nick Batum's starting lineup night. Yeah, weird. It feels like he kind of got lost in this game because there were so many great performances. I mean, you had five Hornets in double figures, and then Frank Kaminsky had a little bit of a bounce-back game, both defensively and on offense as well. Uh, But yeah, 20 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. He showed sort of the full... Full impact of his game, like that's that's mm-hmm. the game that that I'm sure fans would look at and go, okay, yeah, that's what that's what the Hornets paid paid the money for. I mean, you're not going to yeah. get that. You're certainly not going to get that every night. It's amazing that he did it on a night where he only went one of five from beyond the arc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, sometimes his his three point shooting is a little inconsistent, um, but when he's most comfortable, he's able to knock down that mid range shot to get to to back down his. Uh, his defender and, and hit a couple of turnarounds and of course get to the rim and get to the line which he did all three of those things in that game against the Bulls so yeah fantastic game from Nick Batum um, okay let's all right so the Hornets get the win 103-91 against the Bulls everything's looking good 17-13 and 13, heading into a game and we talked about this this was an important game against the Bulls because th- this they do have threats on that team and the Hornets were about to head into a stretch with the Brooklyn Nets, the Orlando Magic, the Miami Heat, very winnable games before yep. 
going into uh, or, or coming back home and facing Cleveland on on New Year's Eve. But then they go to Brooklyn and bad things happen. It, it, they went to Brooklyn earlier this season, David, and bad things almost happened. It was a close one exactly. in their first affair. This one started well enough. The Hornets were up double digits in the first, up nine at the half. The starters were locked in on defense. The bench was scoring really well. Uh, Jeremy Lin, who uh, former Hornet, of course, last season, and he had been one of the few bright spots for the Nets offensively early in this one. He goes down with an injury and would not return. It looked like this had all the, the makings of a blowout. Instead, the Hornets allow 37 points in the fourth quarter, 66 overall in the second half, and drop this one to the Nets, 120-118 on the buzzer beater by Randy Foy. A lot to get into in this game. First, let's hear from head coach Steve Clifford after the game. I mean, we got to defend. We have, I mean, we have too many guys, uh, even some of the guys who are defenders. They're picking and choosing, and... Um, we go from playing a game to be proud of uh, against Chicago, our best game of the year, to a here. And, don't, and I'm not taking anything away from them. They played well. Our defense is a joke. Defense is a joke. That's Boom. a strong statement, David, by the head coach there. All credit to a scrappy and tough Nets performance. But th- this team had won seven games prior to coming uh, prior to the Hornets visiting. And, and the Hornets went out and actively lost this one, did they not? That's that's a great way to put it. They, there's no way they should have lost this game. You score 40 points in the first quarter. You do give up 31, but you have to be able to hold off the Brooklyn Nets. I don't care if they're playing in freaking whatever. <laughs> they're, they're playing at home. But, I mean, I don't care if you're playing, you know, five and three. They, they have to win that game, Doug. And, and, and Clifford's right. I'm, I'm glad he came out and so strongly – criticized the defense because I thought it was laughable. And I mean, I'm starting to wonder at this point, is this who this team is up one night, down the next inconsistent play um, from a, from like a, a concentration physical standpoint, because you just have to lock down. You can't give up 120 points to the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, they're going to shoot a lot of threes because they don't have a lot else to lean on, but they're giving up 31 uh, three point attempts. I mean, that's been something that they've been doing uh, all season, really giving up a lot of looks to the three. And they're letting guys like uh, Kilpatrick, you know, beat them uh, night in and night out. It seems like twenty three points. Good lord, twenty three points for uh, is it Sean Kilpatrick? Yeah, Sean. <laughs> the fact that you don't know his first name, I think, is worth right. telling. Uh, twenty three points. Uh, for, well, the Hornets certainly know his first name now. Twenty three points, four of seven from beyond the arc, and he has been. As pointed out by several people on Twitter, he has been a fourth quarter threat for the Brooklyn Nets, and the fact that the sure. Hornets could not key in on him, and and once he gets heated up, it's it's really tough to cool and, him down. And, and, he, and he had a really tough three in that fourth quarter that I yeah. thought MKG did everything that he could to defend that, and it was still going in. But I wonder if 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 uh, Clifford is referring to MKG or who he's talking about. I mean, he's referring to everybody when he say the defense is a joke. But he, you know, he called out some of his better defenders. And there are times, even when MKG is, you know, steps slow and and not to point him out because clearly he's a great defender. But uh, specifically on Kilpatrick, there were a couple of times when he got a couple couple good looks, especially down the stretch. And uh, man, I mean, that that's just a killer, dog. Because we talked about that. You know, it's a sleepy game. It's the day after Christmas, but you have that week where you have a stretch to make up with that Orlando and the Heat, as you mentioned. I mean, 
that's one of those games you're going to look back at the end of the season and say that one would have really been nice to go the other way. There were a couple of key moments in this in this game, David, and I thought the the first was uh, well, there were some key moments in the third where they they had they had several chances in this game yeah. to to get this thing to fourteen fifteen. And start to put this thing away, and they would let the the nets back into it, and then and then mm-hmm. climb the lead again. But I thought the the biggest moment was uh, Lopez entered the game with about eight minutes to go. The Hornets were up six oh. points, and Lopez single handedly leads oh. them on a ten to two run by just getting down low, getting physical with Frank Kaminsky, who who mm-hmm. could not, who otherwise had otherwise had a, a good. good game defensively. I mean, he had a, a, a couple of great defensive stops that we haven't seen him be able to make, and he had to guard Rondé Hollis-Jefferson uh, for a few possessions, and, and again, did, did well, and knocked down shots early, something he struggled to do, uh, but he just got manhandled by Brooke Lopez, and they they finally got him uh, out of there and put Cody Zeller back in, and then he bodied up Cody and got got a bucket I mean, on he's Cody so as well. The, uh, there's only one guy the Hornets have on the roster. I think they could slow him down. I mean, don't you think it's Hibbert, right? Just because he's so big, right? But not, then, to say, not to say you should put him in there, but I'm saying those two guys when Lopez starts to back down on Zeller or Kaminsky, I mean, they don't have much of a shot. They don't, but but then when you have Hibbert in there, you have other kinds of issues. There was uh, a there was sure. a yeah. there was a play early in the fourth quarter where uh Lamb uh chased, I believe was chasing uh, one of the guards, one of their guards, it was uh, maybe Foy or or Kilpatrick, and he chased Kilpatrick around uh, a screen and Roy Hibbert didn't react fast enough. Couldn't cut off baseline, mm-hmm. and it, it yeah. couldn't. Have, well, I'll tell you, it couldn't have been Foy because the basket was made, and Foy only made one basket, mm. the game-winning yes. three-pointer. Yes. Uh, yes, but so Hibbert. That's that's been the problem with the Hornets, though, is that when you look you, at the, you when you look at the big, yeah, when you look at the bigs, certain kinds of teams are are built specifically where they can attack the weaknesses of the Hornets uh, of the Hornets back line. And if you have, if you're small and quick in the second unit, and you're big and strong in the first unit, you've really got a shot to pound the Hornets. And, mm-hmm. and if your bigs can, pa- if your bigs can kick back out to the three point line, because the Hornets, you know, they I felt like they over collapsed at times, and and then another, I mean, you know, the, the Nets did a great job of getting the Hornets spread out uh, throughout this game, and and really were moving the ball well around the perimeter and getting guys open looks. Um, but you know, let's, let's, I want to look at this, uh, play that put the, put the nets up 117 to 113, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, the deep, you remember the deep three and, yes. and Nick Batum didn't quite step out far enough, uh, to contest and had plenty of time kind of watch the ball, uh, watch the ball as it went, it got kicked into the corner and then back to, uh, Boyan on the, on the, on the wing. And then, uh, uh Bogdanovich pulls up deep three. What do you think about that? That Nick Batum defense on that shot. Uh, I'm trying to think back to it, but I mean, it's just a it's some of the same stuff we've seen. It was uh, reminiscent of late. the it was reminiscent of the Wiggins play that you criticized a lot. The the Andrew Wiggins. Oh God, yeah. The well, Andrew Wiggins the thing, three in right? transition. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, it's 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 some of that, especially in a game like this, because there were raining threes, and that was really the only way. I mean, Lopez, of course, was huge, but. The threes were killing the Hornets all game. And at some point, you, you have to be more aware of that, don't you? I mean, especially if they're giving up as many as they are. Yeah, I, I think they're, again, 
there was not a level of urgency on on a few possessions from players that we've seen be urgent. That's that's the problem is that this team we've seen them play defense ferociously. We've seen them play yeah. defense capably. I mean, we'll, we'll lower the bar to capably. And then you have <laughs> these games where they're terribly inconsistent and they're incapable of getting a stop in the fourth quarter. And and it's it's frustrating. I get we got an email from our friend Twiggy on Twitter saying, is there someone that they could go out and get that is, uh, you, you know, someone that's uh, that can be an animal, as as Twiggy said here in the email, an yeah. animal on defense. The problem is may, maybe, but I don't think that's where the that's where the priorities are in this Hornets organization. They have because they have the players. They have the guys. They paid right? yeah. these players. Who you look back at the Lakers game during that fifteen to nothing run? They they crushed the Lakers on defense. And, and and the Lakers play much more, better on offense than than the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. Where is the where? Yeah. That's what I'm saying on that particular play. Where is the urgency from from Batum to close out on? Because again, right. Bogdanovich, even if he even if he gets around you, there there are there there were two or three players at the rim. Make him make him go to the rim. I know. I'm with you. I mean, that's the thing. That's the, that's the, the whole theme of the. And there was there was a, there far. was, and I, I hate to keep harping on Nick Batum, but there was another play earlier, a few plays earlier, where Bogd, where he did try to chase Bogdanovich around a screen. He goes over the screen over a Brook Lopez screen, but he he takes the scenic route. It wasn't he wasn't really he wasn't really going over the screen. He was just so far behind the play. That that it backed Cody up, and it was just an easy pick and roll play for Bogdanovich to to uh, you know he, he sort of yeah made, he sort of faked the pass and made Cody Zeller hesitate just enough, and then got a got an easy shot off the backboard. But yeah. it's it's I mean, it's these kind of plays, and and Clifford points it out that it's guys oh, yeah. who are traditionally known for defense that are taking plays off. Yeah, it's unacceptable. It's not, even, it's not. Yeah, and it's not even like like you said. It's not even taking. They're not. They're not taking plays off necessarily. Like they're not aware. They're headed. Like, they're headed. Yeah. 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 Exactly. No, I mean, they're, they're not. not they're, locked, not, they're, they're not, not. They're not. They're not like you know making a glass of iced yeah. tea. They're I mean, not locked in. They're yeah. not locked in at all times when they need to be. That's what. The, that's what the odd thing about this, and I think the frustrating thing for Clifford is right. Like these are guys that were here last year that have been in the league long enough to know. That you can't let anyone get, you know, especially a team like this, you can't let them off the map again and again. And I mean, let's not forget, like the Hornets had to come back in the fourth quarter in the last couple of minutes to even have a lead, right? I mean, they had taken the game from the Hornets already once, and that was the weird thing to me. Just watch that. I'm like, man, look at the flow of this game, and look where this game is now. And the the Nets took it. They took it from the Hornets. And that's the physicality aspect that, that Clifford's been harping on. You saw that towards the end of the game, uh, Frank got a ball just taken from him from behind again. Some of the stuff that you've seen creep yeah, up turnovers, on them. Turnovers killed I mean, them in the beginning of that fourth quarter, allowed the Nets yeah. to get back into the game. Uh, you had Roy Hibbert uh, uh, making a, a sort of a – tried to make a little double move there and, and ended up <laughs> losing the ball. And then yeah. Frank Kaminsky got it taken away from him. So, yeah, just kind of boneheaded errors from the second unit. And then I thought – 
the the first unit, I was waiting. I was like, okay, okay, it's fine. First unit's going to come in here, play really locked in defense, shut this down, and get this lead back, and everything's going to be okay. And it wasn't. And, and I think that's no. that's disturbing. And, and what's also disturbing is that, again, you had to have Clifford call a timeout with this second unit in the third quarter and and just lay into these guys to get that's them to stop get. allowing – uh, allowing these free runs to the rim, and and it makes you question uh, who who is going to step up and, and lead this team. Uh, but we've seen we've seen players, plenty of players on this team, lead them offensively. But who is going to lead them defensively? It was a question that our friend Adi Joseph posed to Steve Clifford after the game, and I want to let you hear his response to that. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. That's to be determined. You know, I think if we knew what was going to happen with that, then this wouldn't keep happening. So we'll see. And that's a bold, <laughs> that's a bold statement, oh, especially man. when you take into consideration the treat, the wonderful treat that we got from the Hornets in this Walker Charlotte Ranger promo oh. where, where we are promoting, you know, the Hornets are promoting Kimball Walker's all-star bid. Mm-hmm. And deservedly so. He's had a great season. But what promo are we making for for a Hornets leader? Because I'm not yeah. sure we have one yet. It doesn't look like it. If you keep having these mental lapses, the problem is, for, so it's on defense, right, Doug? Like none of these problems we're talking about are really on offense. No, he I mean, scored 118 points. Exactly. So, I mean, it's on defense. It is, I think, tougher for Kimba to like, you know, affect the game defensively, right? I mean, clearly there's limitations. He's a, he's a capable and willing defender. We've talked about that a lot. But really, for him to, like, he can be a bulldog defender. You know, he can go out and try and get people fired up. But he's not, he can't impact the game defensively the way he can offensively, clearly. And, and, and his offense is taking a little dip. But again, you're getting the offense you need. I mean, you're getting the bench scoring, 13 and 17 from Kaminsky and Lamb, respectively. No Bellinelli last night, but you didn't need him. And you had four of the starters in double figures uh, led by Batum. So, I mean, that's going to be a challenge. It's, I think it's got to – I don't know if you could – do you think you can depend on Kemba to be the guy that turns it up on defense for the team? I think it's got to be MKG or, or Batum. I agree. I, or, you know, and it was Marvin Williams last season. Hasn't been right. Marvin. Great hasn't, point. hasn't been Marvin this season. The, the, the blocks that we saw Marvin make last season haven't been there. The, but I mean, we're not. You know, we're talking about we're talking about slow closeouts. Mm-hmm. We're talking about not getting to loose balls. There were several loose balls. Not finishing defensive plays, allowing offensive rebounds late. You know, they'll they'll defensive they'll they'll be great at rebounding defensively for three quarters, and then let yep. it up in the final frame. It's unacceptable. And, and, and here's the thing: Clifford warned about this that if they keep doing this, it will knock them out of playoff contention. And I think he's looking at the schedule because they've got a tough road trip coming up. And uh, February, they don't see what happened last season. This sort of the same thing happened last season. Mm-hmm. They were 17 and 13. Then they dropped seven straight, and, but they had a, a really easy slate of games in February and March. That's not the case. They have a seven-game road trip coming up in February, and then March, a lot of tough games in March, and several of them away from home. So the schedule is not going to be as kind to the Hornets. And it's – honestly, I can't – 
I can't, what I, you know, I read the email from Twiggy and I understand his frustration and wanting, and, and I'm sure other fans want to go out and, and find somebody to, to make this okay. But I think I, it's I'm, not, come I'm not from there. Internal. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not blaming Cho. I'm not blaming Clifford because I see Cl- Clifford's giving giving everything he has, including every expletive he knows <laughs> that he's ever been taught to fire these and guys up. And, and but that's here's, about as frustrated as you'll hear him. I mean, I think you're starting to hear the frustration after a game like that, especially. Yeah, and we talk a lot about David on this show about how the Hornets go out and find players who are extremely professional and they have high IQs and they're, they are, and I don't know if they go and search for this specifically, but they are generally low key personalities. Mm -hmm. And you wonder if maybe that's starting to have a negative effect. If not having a guy who can, who has a little bit of extra fire in the belly could be an issue. Yeah. And, and anyone yeah. saying, and by the way, I just said belly, which reminded me, no Marco in this game didn't matter. Right. Didn't matter. Don't yeah. that, you know, they didn't need, they didn't need any extra offense in this one. No, they exactly. needed toughness defensively. Didn't get it. Yeah, I mean, it might have to come from Kemba. It's just a lot to ask of him, you know what I mean? And he is the alpha dog on that team, but especially in the second unit, who do you turn to? It's, it's You know, when they're mixing in MKG and Batum playing with that second unit, it has to be them. I and mean, you have to ask that of them, I think. <sighs> okay, let's take a breath. Anyway. <laughs> in with the butterflies, out with the bees. Okay, um, let's. The, so the Hornets lose. They're seventeen and fourteen. They're, they'll play the Magic next uh, in uh, in Orlando on uh, Wednesday. Uh, we'll have a, a great episode coming up, including uh, some commentary from the Locked On Magic podcast. Another great podcast on the Locked On Network. Go check them out if you want some a little extra scouting information. But we're going to have something from Philip for you, uh, the host there on Locked on Magic tomorrow. But I want to end this show on something positive because we still, we're still in the holiday season. David, I don't want to end this so negatively. Although I thought we got out, we got all, we, if anyone listened, I think cathartic, I think this was cathartic for them. They were able to sort of work their way through because a lot of people were upset on Twitter. That's for sure. Um, but I want to end on something uh, positive, something uh, very, and, and you'll love this as a dad. I, I shared this with you last night. This was a, a tweet from uh, the Hornets uh, uh, play-by-play announcer, Stephanie Reddy, uh, on basically a Christmas tweet here. It says, Merry Christmas. Hopefully no one got cold today. And then she shared a letter that she wrote uh, from Santa to her kids. Uh, let me read the letter here. It says, first, Thank you for the yummy cookies and eggnog. It was just what I needed to get through the rest of my deliveries. I had a tough decision to make this year regarding your Christmas wishes. (laughs) I've been less than impressed with your behavior over the last year. Both of you could do a much better job of using your listening ears. I am, however, very proud of both of your progress in karate and Ivy with your piano. I also like how you think of one another and remain best friends. Remember that you will always have each other. It's because of these positive things that I have decided not to give you coal in your stockings. Instead, I will leave you each one gift and an extra one for Ivy because she has been so good at school. 
I hope that you will work harder next year to do, to do the right things all the time. I see there were many presents already under your tree when I arrived. Your mommy and daddy have been very generous. I hope you appreciate them. Merry Christmas. Ho, 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 Santa. Fantastic letter, David. I mean, from Santa, first of all. From Santa to the kids. A lot of lot of parental strategy here, David. Oh, yeah, it made me re-examine some of my own parental strategy. But first thoughts were, I'm glad the listening ears epidemic is not limited to this household because that is something that goes around. <laughs> but also, I mean, very straightforward. I just got to be straight up forward with you, kids. A little disappointed. Well, she's and, a co- you know uh, she's so a coach. Oh, I know. There was that a lot of through. there was a lot of Clifford. Uh, it, well, I mean, she's a coach, and it's just probably just a lot of just things that coaches do. Here's where you stand. This is what was good. This is what was not so good. Santa, Santa, Santa Clifford there. I love, very honest, very straightforward. <laughs> Here's the part I love, though. Uh, let's see. Um, instead, I will leave you each one gift and an extra one for Ivy because she has been so good at school. Playing one kid off another to 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 inspire them. That's Something brilliant. To think about. It's brilliant Something to think about. Yeah. And, and you got to like this too. I, I see there were many presents already under your tree when I arrived. Your mommy and daddy have been very generous. That's great too. I mean, just uh, a lot of just thought went into this letter. Great stuff there from <laughs> Stephanie. I would have loved to have seen the faces, you know, the reaction as the, as the, as the letter was coming out, as it was being read, because there was some, you know, it was up and down. It was touch and go there to see what was going to what they were going to get. Yeah, that's yeah that's the best part yeah, it's like letting great. letting the kids know that santa is not a given that this exactly. is is something and you know you tell kids like better be nice all year which is wholly unrealistic children can they know they can't be nice all year and so oh. uh, ultimately it starts to you know they start to realize that and understand that it well you know as long as i'm generally nice I can get away with it and still get and still get presents at the at the end of the year. But no, this letter points out like, you know, there were there was there were certain things you did that were very good and certain things that you didn't. And uh, you know, I'm keeping an eye on you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was one for the for the books for for the parenting Christmas Hall of Fame or certainly lessons to learn by legendary all right we're out of time here on the locked on hornets podcast here on the locked on podcast network follow us on twitter at locked on hornets for those great live game tweets subscribe to us on itunes and while you're there give us a five-star review help hardcore hornets fans like yourself find this podcast and shoot us your hornets questions your thoughts to buzz buzz at locked on hornets.com we're back again tomorrow and all week for david I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Don't blame it on caffeine and then go to Coke and Pepsi. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.